So the, the heart behind this new series, a uh, new series that we're doing that I got some looks about while we're calling it um, How's My Breath? Because we are doing a series that we haven't done in two years, I think, a series on the Holy Spirit where we are specifically looking at some of the primary teachings about the Holy Spirit. I think if, you, if you're if you honest and, and you're open to consider it, if you've been in church for any length of time, the Holy Spirit's the most neglected person in the Bible. We can name a whole lot of people in the Bible. We know about Noah. We know about, we, we know about Michael. We know about this person. We know about that person. And then when somebody says something about the Holy Spirit, people go, oh, mm, mm, mm. no, we don't talk about him. But the reality of the matter is, is that if we don't talk about him and we're not willing to interact with who he really is, then we're not really going to ever experience anything deeper than just gathering together with a group of people in a social gathering. Because he's the presence that we're longing for that points us back to Jesus. He's the reason that salvation is possible through Jesus. He's the reason that you have the ability to even understand what the Bible says because it's Holy Spirit inspired. And so you have, to, you have to get to know this person. And so we, we like to go through the process of teaching on that uh, every, every once in a while. We may do it in a one-time message, but this time we're going to do it in a four-message series throughout the month of June. And before we actually get into that, all of this comes from John chapter 14 through 16. And so I want to kind of give you a little overview tonight about what's taking place in John 14 through 16. Uh, so you understand when Jesus is talking about the helper or the counselor or the comforter, depending on what translation you're looking at, uh, will determine what word is used. Uh, I'm going to be looking through the, the, the new King James Version. I'm going with King Jimmy tonight. So um, it, it's the helper in the King James Version, the new King James Version. I can't go all the way back to King James. I can't do the these, thous, and thuses. So I'll go to the new King James but I want to take you back all the way to John 14, 15 before we look at the Holy Spirit side because there is a, a huge important teaching that Jesus puts out in, there in front of the disciples. And they're sitting at the Last Supper. They're getting ready for what Jesus has been preparing them for all along in the fact that he's told them several times already they may have considered it to be a cryptic teaching that he's going away. And now they're sitting. He's washed their feet. We've had this beautiful picture of servanthood. They've had a meal together. And he's sitting there. And, and in 14, uh, verse 15, it's recorded that he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And so he starts there. And you skip down just a few verses to verse 23. And he repeats and says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now granted, he has not told them about the Spirit yet. But he makes the statement that the Spirit's going to be the one that's going to dwell with us. When we say, we teach our kids this, and it's not really, I don't want to say it's harmful, but if you've taught your kids that you ask Jesus to come into your heart, that's just not accurate. Jesus doesn't come dwell with you. The Holy Spirit dwells with you. And Jesus has done his work of salvation, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's not here anymore. Doesn't mean he's not present. He's present through the power of the Spirit. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my, father, uh, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home. So one of the major concerns that we get wrapped up in, in the church, in my opinion, is we, we get to a point where we can obey teaching, but then when he's fixing to start talking about some of these uncomfortable things because 
I, we were talking about this a few minutes ago. The reality is we can't control it. You know, we can control how we obey and when we obey. Uh, we can read the Word of God and we can say, okay, it tells me not to do this, and I can make a decision to do it or not to do it, right? But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we don't get to control whether or not the Holy Spirit's going to work or move or, or do something in our life. He does that. And it scares us if we're really honest and open about the fact that we like to be in control of things. If we can't control it, then we don't want to be around it. Am, am I wrong? I mean, is that? I mean, I'm, I'm talking about myself too. I mean, you think about it. You start looking at the bank account. And you're like, if I can't control it, this is it's frustrating. You start looking at relationships in your life, and things are not going the way you think they should, and you you want to control it. You don't want to let the Holy Spirit work because we're afraid of letting go of that control. But Jesus is setting them up to understand that what you're what you're getting. What, what you're getting to is you're getting to a point where you've, you understand what my word says. You understand what I've taught. You understand what the goal of scripture is. You understand why I have come. And now I'm going to send one that's going to make it possible for you to do things that you're not capable of doing on your own. And so when he gets into the teaching, he starts talking about the, the Holy Spirit. And he calls him in the New King James Version, the helper. And I want to go through... All of the scriptures from John 14 through 16, no, I'm not reading two full chapters, so don't, don't panic. I just want to pick out the scriptures that show where Jesus is talking about the helper. In John 14, 16, and 17, he says, And I will pray the Father. Some translations say, I will ask. That's just the, the King James Version way of saying he's going to ask the Father. And he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Skip down just a few verses in verse 25 and 26. He says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So if you ever wonder why you get into Scripture and you're not really... You study and you try to memorize and you try to remember and then you walk away and you can't remember it. It's because in some instances we're neglecting the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Word. The Spirit's what brings the Word alive. We understand the, the, the difference there now? It, it, so Jesus is telling them, this is what's going to bring all of this to your memory. So everything that I teach you, when you read the Word, if you ask for the presence of the Spirit in that moment, He illuminates. He brings it to your remembrance. He makes it possible for you to remember in, in John 15, 26, he says, When the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So he gives you another aspect of what the Helper is going to do. And then in John 16, 7, and verses 12 and 13, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So every time we see in these three chapters, and I encourage you, as I always do, don't just take my word for it. Get in the word, pray, seek the Lord, and study. Look at what God's word says. But I just want to show you a couple things he tells them that the Helper is going to come, and I've mentioned this already, 
That word can also be translated comforter, advocate, counselor, intercessor. There's a lot of ways when you look at English words of original Greek that it could translate for us. And depending on what you look at, I want to just show you what the word in Greek is so that you can kind of understand what it really means. Why they don't just come out and say it, I don't know. That's what's always kind of frustrated me when you start looking at Greek to, to English where they could just come out and say this. They try to put something that sounds similar. You ever do that? Like when you're trying to say something and you... You want to sound smart, so you try to use another word. You may use it out of context sometimes. And somebody looks at you like that. wasn't very bright. Like that's how it feels sometimes because it doesn't just it doesn't bear the full weight of what the original text says. The word is actually parakletos. We get the word paraclete from it, not the bird paraclete, but paraclete. You've probably heard that term before. I think if you listen to Andy Menio sings about paraclete. He's talking about walking with the gospel as a paracletes is how he says it, but he's actually referring to the Holy Spirit. But the word literally translates to walk alongside. So para is alongside. So anytime you see para, it's alongside. And then kletos is to walk. So when he says helper, the helper, as we see it, is the one that's going to walk alongside of you. So go and you think about the word parable that we use when Jesus is teaching. The word is parabole. Para is to come alongside. Bole is, is to throw. Like, we just think it's a story. That's just what we've always been told, so we take it. So what it is, is Jesus is throwing a story alongside of a truth to make a point. So when you see the word parable, it's not just, well, it's just a cool story. No, it literally means to throw alongside. It doesn't mean story at all. We just have been taught that, and we just take it at what it is. So when we think about what... What this translation means, it just means that the, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, whatever you want to call him, he's the one that comes to walk alongside of us in everyday life. And, and the intent is just to recognize the Holy Spirit not as an entity but as a person. In all the things that we look at when the Holy Spirit is talked about, I think the most, um, the most concerning thing that I've seen and heard is referring to the Holy Spirit as it. And I've, I'm, I've been guilty of that myself before, where I say it, but he is not an it. He is a person. Like, go and study, and it's a, it is a personal, not a being, but a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's not to be treated as an it. And you've got whole theological perspectives that now believe it, him to be an it, and teach him as an it, and he's something that you just use, and it's not accurate. He is a person that we are to walk alongside as he walks alongside us. He's the person that is intended to bring about salvation for us, and he's the person that brings about conviction for us, and he's the person that comes to dwell with us in order for us to see the needs that are around us. All of that is done by the same person that so often in Scripture is neglected. And so if we're not careful and we, we start from the wrong perspective, we end with the wrong conclusions and we treat a person as an it. You ever been treated like an it in somebody's life? Like I, I'm just that person that is here to fulfill this need in your life and when I no longer, quote, fulfill it, I can move on to something else because you're just an it in my life. And how many of us, if we're honest, we treat the Holy Spirit that way? Not realizing that he's a person to have a relationship with. He's the person that offers us the opportunity to see 
the need for Jesus, to see the needs of others, to see Jesus in their life. And so this series is just based on that thought. And so here's the three things that we're going to look at over the next several weeks. And I just want to look at them very briefly tonight. And then we're going to dive into each one specifically over the next three weeks. First thing is, is when we think about the Holy Spirit, He is God around us. He's God around us. So anytime you see something in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, is talking about God among us, outside of the person of Jesus walking among us, it is the presence of God in the form of the person of the Holy Spirit. He's present in the Old Testament. He's present in the New Testament. If you go back to John 14, 16, Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. Now when we think about abide, we think about a super close relationship that some people even use the term like being in us, but it literally means He's around us. His presence is around us. It, it's the same sense that when you look at Paul's writings, like in Romans chapter 1, he says, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been very clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. He makes a point to tell you that you're without excuse because the presence of the Holy Spirit has been here from the beginning. I'll show you, Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So God, the person of the Holy Spirit present all the way back to creation in the Old Testament, just simply a different name than what we see in the New Testament. The Old Testament name for the Holy Spirit is Ruach. And I'm not going to hawk because you have to like... Ruach is how it actually is pronounced. And that's just, that's just the, the mighty spirit presence, wind of God being present in our lives. So the Holy Spirit is present among creation, affecting the very mind of man to make them aware of their need for Jesus. That's why Paul wrote like he did in Romans chapter 1, saying that nobody is without excuse because the Holy Spirit is constantly working around us. Not only is He working around us, but God is working with us. So we've got God around us. He's there convicting, and He's there moving and working, and He's part of creation, and He's, he's moving and being present, and He's also with us. And if you look at John 14, 16, and 17, the latter part of, of that verse, it says, Not only will He abide with us forever, it says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you now this dwell with you is a more close-knit relationship so he'll be around you and jesus will give you the opportunity to take a step further as you come into relationship with him uh, the conviction of sin falls because the holy spirit is convicting you showing you your need for jesus when you see your need for jesus jesus then uses the power and presence of the holy spirit to draw you even closer it's not a one and done, baby, let's roll. It's We're going to keep walking and taking steps and working this journey and continuing to walk with the Lord in the presence of the Spirit. So not only is He around us, but He dwells with us. There's a closeness, and the difference is so much. It's, it's, it's so subtle, but it's so... If you only knew. Like if you've never experienced the presence of God with you, and I'm sure every one of you have. It, it, he shows up in places when you're in the most difficult of situations. And He shows up in places where things seem like it's impossible. 
and, and he shows up in places and he's with us in those times when we feel like nobody else is. And, and that presence that, that God with us mentality is because he desires a closer relationship with you and me. Like I said earlier, we have the idea that God is just so distant and he wants nothing to do with us. He's just ready to just destroy the world and start over, and it's not true. God created this for us. All of creation is for us to subdue, to walk with him in close relationship, to stay in step with the presence of the Father because of the Holy Spirit. When we, when, when we, when we encounter Jesus in a real way, we can step into a more close Relationship. If you go on into John 16, it says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you, directly to you. And we have, I've heard the argument before. It's like, man, it, sh- it must have been nice to walk around with Jesus, just to have Jesus right there. And I've told people before, I said, I bet the apostles are in heaven right now going, you idiots, you've got, G- you've got him right there so much closer than we could have ever had Jesus to us. He's right there with you so much more personally and so much, so much closer than you could ever imagine. And, and, and we miss it because we, primarily because we haven't been taught that God is around us at all times and God is with us at all times because he desires a close relationship. Even in the Psalms, you go back to the, to the psalmist and it says, where do I go to escape your spirit, your presence? Where am I going to go? Where can I flee to escape the presence? If I were to ascend to heaven, you're there. If I were to sprawl out in Sheol, you were there. If I were to fly away on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the other side of the sea, even there your hand would guide me, your right hand would grab hold of me. Why? Because he is with us. And then the last thing is this. He is in us. In the last part of uh, John 14, 17, it says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and will be in you. Not only is he around us, he's with us, but he's also in us. Paul on multiple occasions addresses the spirit living in us. In 1 Corinthians he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So not only are you, are you, are you aware of your need for Jesus because the presence of the Holy Spirit is around you, but now you've got a closeness with him to walk with him in life. But he's in you to empower you to do something that's beyond your ability to do. And we get to the concluding factor in many uh, church faiths that as long as we've got a relationship with Jesus, then that's all that we really need to navigate life. And you have so many people that walk away from faith because that's where it stops. But that's where it starts. It's not where it stops, that's where it starts. We've got a relationship, now we've got to walk, we've got to start walking. We've got to start seeing things differently. We've got to start looking at perspectives. And, and the, the problem, Paul addresses it in Romans 8, he says, You, however, are not controlled by a sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So many of us have never been aware, because we've never had it addressed, that we need to continually tap into the power of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. He doesn't leave, He doesn't forsake but he's not going to control. It says that he's going to work and navigate and maneuver and allow us to tap into the presence that is in us if we make ourselves aware that he is there. So 
as we as we do look at this series over the next several weeks, uh, I, I told you this will be a short one this evening, but as we do look into this series over the next several weeks, I, I hope that you'll take a look at the Holy Spirit from a different perspective. And so when you, when you see me say something like, how's my breath, it's because the very presence of God needs to be coming out of us all the time. If we've made the decision to follow Jesus, if, if the Holy Spirit has made us aware of our need to encounter Him, then we need to find our place in the body. That's part of the thing that we talked about for weeks in our series, uh, Where Do We Go From Here? We need to find our place. Well, how do we do that? We can't do it without His presence. His presence needs to be with us. His presence needs to be in us. Why? So that we can inspire others. Because He is the inspiration that ultimately can, can affect change in our families, in our communities, and across the world. All the junk that we see right now in the world... The uh, polit politics ain't going ain't gonna to fix it. Our opinions are not going to fix it. it it's, not, it's not love that's going to fix it. Because we don't, the world don't even know what love is. It's the power and presence of God living in His church that is going to fix the issues that we are facing. And if it doesn't start in our homes, it's not going to change on a national scale or a global scale. So we just look at, the, we look at the chaos and we want this, this cookie cutter fix, but we don't want to address what's going on right there in front of us. We don't want to look at ourselves and say, okay, God, what do I need to change in me today? What needs to, God, God I don't know nothing about this Holy Spirit stuff, but I want to. You know how simple that is? Because I was one that was skeptical myself for a long time. And I, and, and I stood in a circle praying with a group of men. And I heard somebody, you're, some of you might get freaked out by this, but you'll be okay for a minute. I was standing in a circle with a group of men. We were holding hands. Yes, men were holding hands. He knows who I was talking to. And I heard somebody whispering as we were praying. Somebody was praying out loud, and we were just going around the circle. And I heard somebody whispering. And I said, Lord, I've never, ever, ever, ever asked for that. He was praying in tongues. I'll just tell you what he was doing. I said, Lord, I've never asked for that because I've never considered it. I said, but I just want more of your presence. And to experience more of God's presence, look, it's not weird. It ain't crazy. It's not off-putting. It's not even speaking in tongues. So don't get wiped out by that. It's just another level of presence that you can experience by simply asking Him in the moment to be able to walk this life. Because I promise you, the issues that you're facing, the stuff that's going on in your life that you're trying to fix on your own, He has the power, the ability, the authority, and the desire to fix it. He wants you to come to Him. And so the depth at which we would desire to come is the depth that He'll meet us at. In that prayer, I just said, Lord, I just want more of your presence. I don't know what that means, but I'm not going to be afraid of this anymore. And I got more of his presence that day. And it empowered me to do more work than I could have ever done on my own. It would empower me to see people come to know Jesus that I couldn't have done on my own. It empowered me to be able to do this because I can't do this. Because I'm not a genius and I'm not smart and I don't have the doctoral degrees and all of this stuff. I just have... Jesus and a desire for his word and his presence and I just say God I don't know what it is but I just want you to give me just a little bit more and I pray that it makes sense when it comes out of my mouth and he continues to feel and he can do the same thing with each 
and every one of us because there are people around you that need you. But they don't need you for you. They need you for the presence that you claim to have. They need you for the power you have the authority to have, the person that you can walk alongside that can be around you, with you, and in you to affect change in this world. And until you're willing to just say, okay, I'm not going to be scared of this anymore because anything that your word says is good, I'm going to accept it. That's when it'll change. I don't know what that'll look like in your life. I'm not going to claim to know what it looks like because you go look and you study, it doesn't look the same for everybody in the scriptures. It doesn't look the same for me as it does for you. But when his presence fills you, I promise you, you'll know it. And it'll affect change and you'll see things differently and the word will come alive. It won't be the same. And so I just want to pray for you this evening just to encourage you. Do what I've said before many times over the last four plus years. I just ask you to take a step of faith. I'm not asking you to take a leap. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. Just take a step of faith and it may be in a whisper right now. Lord, I'm just going to, I just want to, I want to know if this is real. Lord, I've never encountered you in a real way. I made a decision to follow you and I don't even know what that means. But I want to encounter you, Jesus. Because I believe the power and the presence of the Spirit is here trying to convince me and show me my great need for you. And if that's, if that's you this evening, then there's nothing that you have to do but just say, Jesus, I want more of you. You don't have to tell anybody right now. You just need to talk to Him. Holy Spirit, I sense you in this room. I see you pointing me to Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of salvation. I need you. I've got so many things in my life that don't line up with the character of God. And the Holy Spirit is working around me right now to show me that I need you to save me from the stuff that I have created in my own life. Lord, you want to take the mess that I have created and turn it into something beautiful. And Lord, I just, I give it to you. Put that in your own words tonight. Maybe you're... Maybe you're in the room, you've been saved, you're secure in your salvation, you know it, but you've never been encouraged to take that next step of faith to say, you know what, I've always been a little bit leery and a little bit afraid because people have put the Holy Spirit in this packaging that I don't like. And I'm not a fan of the way I see it in these different types of people that claim to do different things, and, and it just kind of weirds me out. And I just want to encourage you. To say, Lord, I, don't, I want to be able to look beyond that. Lord, I want to look beyond what people have put in front of me. I want to see you for who you are. Holy Spirit, I want to experience you and talk to you and have a relationship with you just like I have a relationship with Jesus. As you walk alongside of me, I just simply ask you to continue to work and move in my life. And Lord, I want to trust you to help continue to weed out things that are trying to pull me back away from my relationship. Because I know the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I know you'll never speak a word that pulls my attention away from Jesus. Lord, I just pray tonight that, that if we're at a point in our life where we need to take a step of faith, that, Lord, we'd be willing to do it tonight. 
that we would reflect in this moment and realize that some of the things that don't add up can add up if we stop trying to add and start letting you multiply. Lord, I just pray that we'll be open to you. Lord, encourage us as we've asked all evening, just to continue to encourage our hearts, continue to draw us closer to you. Lord, give us more of your presence where we ask for it. Lord, help us to be bold and help us to be secure. Help us to be comforted as, as the Holy Spirit is. Help us to realize that you're an advocate, that you're for us, not against us. Lord, don't let the enemy take our minds to places that scare us, but to allow us to grow in deeper closeness and relationship to you. Lord, that's what we want as a church, is to just take a, a step closer, just to to taste and see, as the Scripture says, that you are good. Lord, help us to do that. Jesus, we ask it all in your name. Amen.